Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the Asylum Assassin, Matt Costa. And we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. This is this is weird. This you is and, weird. You and I together. I know, right? Like the old days. This is how we used to do it ten years ago, before the show expanded. Right. And and now it's a, a full cast of characters that are not here most of the time. <laughs> but this is this is like old school spooky South Coast right here. The only difference is I don't sound out of breath when I'm trying to talk. And uh, nobody's eating Wendy's during the broadcast. I know. I, I actually should have brought Wendy's. You know, funny story. Yeah. A, a couple of weeks ago, you weren't here, but a couple of weeks ago, cer- two certain other co-hosts of this show who will remain nameless, uh, they decided to go out and get some food, like, during the news break. Oh, yeah? And then came back and were eating during the second hour of the show. Nice. Like, w- we learned week one... Of doing the show. You're not supposed to eat when you're on the air. No, but no. You would have thought in 10 years of doing this, they would have known. So I had to, like, cut their mics. And, you know, they're just sitting there and happily munching away on food on Spooky TV. And people are watching it being like, why are you eating? Instead of talking about the paranormal. And I had to wait till the show was over. And watch the meat. Because somebody had to talk. Right, Exactly. And uh, we'll certainly have a lot of talking tonight about the paranormal, because coming up in oh probably about 15 minutes or so, we're going to be joined by Nick Roth and Katrina Weidman of the new show Paranormal Lockdown, which you might have seen at premiere last night on Destination America. It's a little bit unique. Well, it's a lot unique, which is what Nick's been trying to do for the last few years now, with uh, first working on the Ghost Stalker show as the creator and executive producer, and now on Paranormal Lockdown as the executive producer and the host, or the co-star, along with Katrina. He's trying to go beyond what we've been doing in paranormal television for the last, you know, 10 years or so, and taking it to the next level. And so with Paranormal Lockdown, they're actually locked into a location. They spend 72 hours straight in a location. They sleep there. I'm pretty sure they poop there. We'll ask them about that later on. Right. But, uh, you know, this is... That's, that's a good... That's a valid question, because... I, I think mean, so. when you're locked down, like, what do you do? I, th- I think I think it's definitely valid. And, uh, but what I like about this is, because I always tell people when they come to our Legend Trips events, and yes, I am going to plug a Legend Trips event coming up in a minute, so for all of you who get angry about that, just think hey. of all the money we've raised for these places, and just suck it up for 30 seconds. But when... We do a Legend Trips event or any kind of investigation with people. I always tell them it's important to get to know the location before you start investigating. Get a feel for the place. And I think that with having 72 hours in a location, you have the opportunity to afford that. If you only have eight hours in a spot, you don't want to spend a whole bunch of time just kind of sitting around getting to know you, you know, getting to know the location, getting to get a feel for it. You want to get right into the action. Uh, but with this, you know, extended period of time, it gives you a chance to really get acclimated to your surroundings. So I think that that's a, a pretty good approach, and I think it's going to yield a lot of great evidence for them uh, coming up in the future episodes. So we'll talk to them about that, and then later on in the show, we'll be joined by, is it Lee Lashen? Does that sound right, or Leshen? Uh I believe so. I have only seen his name in email, so <laughs> well, <laughs> he I is, do apologize. He is listening, by the way, as well. Well, he'll, he, he can certainly uh, hit us up on Twitter at SpookySC. And, uh, and let us know the, the right way to do it. And we'll check with him when we have him on the phone later. But uh, he is the producer of the upcoming documentary film Ghost Heads, which is about 
the community of people that has sprung up around the Ghostbusters Sony right, franchise. Right. When I saw the uh, the Kickstarter, um, that's the the first time I heard it. But I, it was on Indiegogo before that, uh, when they were actually doing the production or get, raising the money for production. Um, when I saw the trailer, I was like, "This is this is us. This is our people. This is this <laughs> yes. is." I mean, um, it it takes a, a, a type of bravery that I don't have to walk around to with uh, a proton pack strapped. But if I did, if I had one, I would probably. I'd right. probably if, if you owned one, you would wear it. Right. Of course. I mean, and if you had a real jumpsuit, you would wear it. I mean, the ones we bought for Halloween a couple of years ago, those were just too cheesy. Right. Right. I think. Mine, fell mine, yeah, apart. mine. Ripped. I think mine ripped in the the, the derriere. Mine was more in the frontal <laughs> crotchal area. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess I wouldn't be opposed because I mean I do have a gorilla suit and I do uh, have that. Um, oh no, that's the other Ghostbusters that have uh, the gorilla. Oh, that's, that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah, that's the, the filmation Ghostbusters. We won't talk about that. <laughs> but I, I'm very excited uh, about this because just watching the the trailer for it. On the Kickstarter page, it's it's amazing. I mean, it, it it's I I I definitely can connect with these people because right. I, I feel what they're what they're talking about. No, there's really a sense of a community behind it, and and that's what I've noticed about a lot of these documentaries that have been coming out over the last few years is they're turning the spotlight onto these fan communities, and I think that that's a good thing because it's showing a lot of people that one, uh, you know that. These people are out there, and there's like-minded people like you that mm-hmm. are into the same thing you're into. And, but I think, too, it's also showing the relevancy of these things that they are fans of. So, you know, for example, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life was Best Worst Movie. Have you ever seen that one? No, no. Oh, you have to see it. You know what it is? No, no. It's the oh, uh, it's the, the Troll Two, the Troll Two yeah, documentary. All right. And and uh, and so that was you know the idea was to kind of shine a spotlight on these people, and and the impact that this crappy movie has had on people's <laughs> lives. So imagine what the impact is for a great film like Ghostbusters. You oh, know, right. it, it has that much more of an impact. So uh, well, I'm pretty excited to talk about that coming up. And they've also done a previous documentary about one of my other favorite movies of all time, and. One of the other co-producers of Ghost Heads is a guy who I have an enormous amount of respect for because he's basically me with a much better job. So we'll talk about that coming up in the next hour as well. Ernie Hudson. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Ernie Hudson was always Winston to me for years, and I had the opportunity to meet him at Comic-Con, and, you know, he was always Winston. Now I think he might forever be the warden from Oz, now that I'm going back and watching Oz, because I never watched it to begin with. I'm going to have to catch up on that. Yeah, he said, the best part about Ernie Hudson on Oz is from episode to episode in the same season, his facial hair changes. Like one episode he has a beard, next he's clean shaven, the next he's got a mustache. It's like all over the place. It's it's almost distracting. Uh, But uh, anyway, so we'll talk about all that coming up a little bit later on in the show. I did mention Legend Trips, and there's a reason why I mentioned that, because we have a new event that we just put on sale at legendtrips.com. We're going to be having uh, a return to riding the haunted rails of Edaville Railroad. That's coming up on May 21st. Saturday, May 21st, we'll be returning to Edaville, USA. And we were the only people that they've ever allowed to have a paranormal investigation on the grounds of Edaville. We had the first one in 2014. We had unprecedented access to the museum building and to the grounds. And we're going to have all that access again this time around as well. I can tell you that already the tickets are probably about a quarter of the way gone. 
with just having a couple of days of pre-sale and one day of actual public on-sale, and the event's not until May. So this thing's going to sell out, uh, and it's definitely going to be worth spending the time and, and spending the money to get out there because you're going to get to see corners of the park that you never would get to see if you just went there during the day. But we are working with Edaville to secure a special group rate that will allow you to go and enjoy the park during the day before we start with the evening's festivities. So we're just waiting to see what the ticket sale situation is because the more people that buy tickets, the better of a rate we can negotiate to have those discounted tickets. So we'll be able to actually have uh, you know a full day on the on the trains and on the rides. And then when that's all said and done, you know, they have to shut down the park and clear it all out again. But then we'll get in there and we'll be able to investigate all night long. And it's it's going to be uh, just if, – if you've never been to Edaville, it's a great opportunity to come and visit a New England institution. But if you have been, if you're like me, if you've gone there so much over the course of your life – it's just like such an extra treat to be able to go into the third floor of the museum building and see all those old decorations that used to be out at Christmas time or to be able to walk the rails and to be able to go around the, these corners and, and these nooks and crannies that you wouldn't get to see any other time. So, now you right. Did you go with us when we went? Uh, I believe it was the, the first time, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, you were there. Yeah, it was great. It was, yeah. uh, it was a good time. Yeah, I remember you were um, up in the, on the third floor with us. It's it's. It's has that um, uh, Scooby Doo quality of like running around like a kind of an um, amusement park. Right. Yeah. But I mean, this amusement park in particular has quite a bit of history behind it as well. Right. And and see, there's the thing. It's like a lot of the the ghostly history of Edaville, the family that used to own the park doesn't want us to talk about publicly. But LSD Atwood, the founder of Edaville, he was actually killed when uh, a boiler exploded in the basement that he was working on. And he died from injuries sustained in that boiler explosion. He said to haunt the museum building. His wife Althea has been seen roaming around the grounds, pining for Ellis. Mm-hmm. Some people say she's even seen in her wedding dress, walking around the grounds of Edaville. And that doesn't even get into all the Native American spirits that have been spotted all over the place, because the land long before it was the LSD Atwood Cranberry Company was Native land. Mm-hmm. So there's a long history of Native ghosts there. And one of the more creepy and intriguing aspects of Edaville is the house, the nondescript house that just sits at the top of the hill across the museum building. Right. It's a little out of place. It, it seems well. weird that there's just a house right there. Right. But it's always been there. And there has been three suicides in that house over the years. I always thought it was just one. But when we first started putting this event together a couple of years ago, we were informed, oh, no, no, we've had three different people commit suicide in that house over the years. And that house was super active, right. I guess, the last time that we had an event there. So it's uh, and and the people who work there st- <clears throat> still talk about some of the strange things that happen. Right, and you also have um, the that area is all always known for uh, their cranberry bogs. So I mean, there's definitely a lot of activity as far as uh, different workers and migrant workers over the course of. I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure when the cranberry industry started, but um, I mean well, there could be a lot of res- residual energy there. And you know what else is is interesting about it is there's a lot of bog iron in mm-hmm. those bogs, and does that have a role? Does that have a role in the amplification of the paranormal right. activity? And there's a lot of flowing water as well. Yeah, like I mean, I mean the if anybody has seen a cranberry bog before, it's kind of surrounded by a ditch of water. So the water is flowing, and I guess maybe with the 
a lot of the iron and in the uh, the soil and things like that. It could be ionized, this energized. I don't. The science advisor is not here to give us the terminology <laughs> that I require. There's so, so much though. There's so much the uh, and not to mention all of the rides came from other parks. A lot of the exhibits oh, yeah. came from other yeah. places. They all come in carrying their own energies. So right. now before uh, we get complaints from everybody about, you know, stop pushing legend trips against. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Right. Sorry that we've raised nearly $30,000 to help historic haunted places over the last five or six years. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. We're, we're just being nostalgic because it's it's a place we... Yeah, we're really just talking about Edaville at this point. We're not trying to sell right, you a ticket. Exactly. <laughs> we, just... we, I mean, it's, it's a place that we've been uh, going to since we were children, so... And uh, and if you've never been, it's a great. I mean, we've got people that are coming out from all over the country to come to this event. So, and that's just the people who have purchased tickets so far. So it's really going to be a pretty interesting night. I'm looking forward to it. I cannot wait to see the look on people's faces when they start going up into that attic and seeing all the little decorations. <laughs> Both the people who've never been there before and the people who I remember that from when I was a kid. And I was telling uh, Samantha and the folks over at Edaville, don't clean up anything. <laughs> Leave everything exactly as it is. Well, one of the things I definitely want to address later on in the show when we start talking about uh, Ghostbusters in the second hour, I want to get your take, Matt, on the Ghostbusters trailer that was released this week for the new film that comes out this summer. Because in just talking about it before we went on the air, we were already kind of at a little bit of a, right. a disagreement right. about it. So right. I think... Um, well, we've got a couple of minutes now before we are joined by Nick Groff and Katrina Weidman to talk about Paranormal Lockdown. But uh, just really quickly, what was your impressions of that when the trailer dropped the other day? And did you know it was going to drop when you booked the producer of Ghostheads, or was that just a coincidence? Uh, I did. I've been uh, I, been uh, kind of anticipating it since the teaser trailer came out. Right. Which um, I'm not sure when that became a thing, when we started to have trailers, <laughs> trailers for, for trailers. trailers yeah. But uh, apparently that's a thing now. But um, I was I was pretty excited for it. For one, um, I mean, I kind of I like with um, as soon as uh, Slimer came on the, right. the screen, like that's just Who? an iconic character that they said was not going right. to be in the movie. But then Michael K. Williams ruined it when uh, when he said that he he actually had a scene with Slimer. Right. So. I think that's when he, they... He should have just waited. Because, I mean, like, he... You, you he don't, he you don't, blabbed, like, a week before the You don't tell Omar out. what to do. <laughs> Omar coming. You're, see, if you've seen The Wire, you would know the Omar references. Right. And and, and you would you would just be... Because Omar is, like, the most badass ever to be on television. But uh, what, what I was bothered by about it is it was exactly what I was afraid of in terms of the dynamic of the four actresses that are involved in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's the same type of things that they always do. And right. even though there's, like, little tweaks to the characters, you know, it's like it's like Rick Moranis plays the same guy in every movie, but it's just a little bit different than it was in another movie. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I, I could see that. I could like, see that. Lewis Tully is no different than Seymour Krellborn is no different than the dad from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Wayne Zielinski. I knew if I thought about it for a second, <laughs> it would pop in my head. So and it's, like, kind of the same thing with these characters. And I, I got that feeling that that dynamic is going to be the same throughout the movie. Well, I still have high hopes for it because, I mean, it is Ghostbusters. The visual effects look pretty cool. Right. And I like the idea of the fact that they're paranormal researchers and they're approaching this from the fact that paranormal activity is everywhere and that somebody has found a way to 
control paranormal activity and make right. it do their bidding. Right. I, th- I think that's the part that I, I didn't necessarily like is the um, where they went into the um, the possession of other people. Yeah, that I thought that really was strange. like a little cheesy. Hopefully, I mean, when the movie comes out, maybe it'll be add a little. They'll add a little more explanation, or I don't know. But um, I think that was my only hang up about the whole thing. And the scene where everybody's running and screaming, what was that giant weird ghost that was walking by? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that was a little yeah. strange. I mean, there's still no word of uh, the state state of Marshmallow Man either. Yeah, I mean... Do you think that'll come back? I, I don't know. I mean, I think you have to kind of have some kind of nod to it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess having... I'd have to know kind of where the whole script goes. Uh, but I'll probably end up watching it at some point. I'm probably not going to go see it in the theater. Or maybe I will because of, you know, the show. You have and, to. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I just don't think that... Um, I'm not very excited at this point. Let's just put it that way. I'm not very excited. I'm glad that it's not a reboot. I'm glad that it seems to be kind of a fourth film in the franchise, but in mm-hmm. a different direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very next Karate Kid-ish. Oh, man. <laughs> you yeah. put it in that category. I already put the new <laughs> Ghostbusters in the category wow. of the next Karate Kid. So that could that, be... I think, it was that the movie that you said you would not talk about? Yeah, that that's <laughs> like the Rocky Five of Karate Kid movies. It didn't happen. Just didn't happen. It didn't exist. All right, well, we're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Nick Roth and Katrina Weidman to talk about Paranormal Lockdown. Did you see the first episode last night? Did you get to tune in and see it? If not, I know Destination America is rebroadcasting it. I know they have it on demand. We're going to find out some of the inside info of what you can expect coming up on this season of Paranormal Lockdown and about the actual approach to it itself. i got to tell you, as everything that, that Nick's involved in, it's visually beautiful. I mean, it's this is like the Frank Grace photography version of television. I mean, everything just pops on the screen. It looks awesome. But what I was the most impressed by with it is after watching hours and hours of paranormal television in my life, I was a little creeped out. <laughs> I was a little terrified for what they were going to go through. So we'll find out about all that coming up in just a moment. Stay tuned for more Spooky South Coast here on New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. And uh, we are broadcasting live here on WBSM as well as on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com where you can actually watch the show while you're listening to the show because we have multiple webcams set up all over the place. You can see us while we're talking and just sitting here talking, really. That's what we do. And uh, <laughs> you can also follow you can, us. You can look at uh, Tim's Mountain Dew in the background. There you go. My two-liter bottle. That's how much. That's, 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 that's what they call product placement. That's how excited I am for tonight's show and for tonight's guests. I have to have a two-liter to, to get me through. And, then, of course, you can also talk about the show online using the hashtag SpookyLive. And you can text us during the discussion as well at 67664. Just start your text with the keyword WBSM so it filters into us. But if you have anything you want us to ask, Nick and Katrina, you can certainly uh, text it to us it would be the best way. But now we are going to bring them on. This is where it gets challenging for me, sitting in the producer seat here. See, Nick Groff, you're the producer usually that I have to answer to, so it's a lot easier when you know you, somebody else can take the blame if things go wrong. But now it's on me tonight. Good evening, and thank you for joining us. Hey, Tim. How you doing? How's everything? Oh, uh, spooktacular, as we say here. And thank you for joining us. I can't believe it's taken us this long to get you to come on the show. 
I know. I don't know. I don't know why it's been this long, but I guess I've just been everywhere lately, and it's been a crazy ride for the last, I don't know, year and a half, um, just getting to this point. But it's uh, definitely worth it, and I'm excited to be on your show and talk to you. I mean, we talk a lot anyways, or we, we have in the past and stuff, and I think it's good to be at this point where we can just talk on your radio show now. It's finally stuff you can let out of the bag because, you know, you can, there's, there's always a point where you have to kind of stop yourself and say, well, yeah. I can't give you every, all the information yet, but, you know, now it's all out there and, and uh, so far so good. Let's bring in your, your co-star on pa- on uh, Paranormal Lockdown, Katrina Weidman. Good evening, Katrina. Hey, guys. How you doing? And I, I have to say the same thing. Apologies that it's taken us this long to get you on as well. Oh, yeah, no worries. I'm happy to be here, though. Thanks for having us. I mean, I remember going all the way back to the the paranormal state day saying, you know, we should have her on the show and just, you know, we've never been able It's the problem is yeah. <laughs> all of us paranormal folks, we're the only ones that aren't busy on Saturday nights. The, oh, yeah. you know, the, the spooky South Coast crew, because we're in here, but everybody else is always somewhere uh, on the weekends. And, and you guys have been all over the place. I've been seeing tons of promotion for Paranormal Lockdown. We saw the premiere episode last night on Destination America. And what has the response been, Nick, from, from people who have been following you through your career? What did they think about last night's episode? it's it's been unbelievable i'm like actually amazed um how well received it was um i i mean i was confident going in and katrina and i are very passionate about this i mean this is like our second baby that we're just kind of bringing to life and it's so crazy to see it finally come to life and um the response has been massive uh i think we were number one trending at one point in america which is really cool and the support has been just incredible honestly i mean we couldn't be happier um so far but i mean the ride is just beginning you know they say like the next this friday coming up is probably one of the craziest most intense investigations i've done in a really long time like trans allegheny was unbelievable and the evidence we captured was amazing, incredible, but, like, it gets intense, like, emotionally, gritty. Like, the next one is just, like, even more mind-blowing, I feel, um, at times. Well, and, and Katrina, you've been investigating for a long time, and, and you've known Nick for a long time, but what was it like when, when he came up to you and said, you know, here's, here's the idea. We're going to close ourselves off and into a location for 72 hours, and we're going to sleep there, and it's just going to be all-encompassing for us for three straight days. Yeah. What, what, what was your thought? Well, at first it sounded like a good idea, <laughs> but um, you know what's funny? It's like it, everything feels good when you're going in there. You know, you might be a little nervous, but still you're like, okay, this isn't so bad. You know, I can do this. And then once the sun starts going down and we start having some really weird things happen to us, and that's when it's like I start questioning uh, my life choices, you know? <laughs> Well, you couldn't be asked to to be locked down with a with a better person. I think both of you bring, yeah. you know, your own unique dynamic to the investigations, and and I know for you, Nick, it's very important. You always make a connection with the location, and we were saying at the beginning at the beginning of the show that this is actually this approach gives you so much time to really get acclimated to your surroundings and really make a connection with the location before you start asking around for who might be there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as we pursue the paranormal, I mean, we're we're not out anymore to make, you know, document and, and say ghosts exist or ghosts don't exist or disprove and prove. 
we're not at that point anymore. I think we're at the point where we're trying to discover something new of the unknown, something that we just don't fully understand of all things paranormal, where these things are actually happening at locations like this, highly researched out with all these hauntings. And I just want to discover something new, something that can be groundbreaking and revolutionize the way we think as human beings and maybe say, okay, that's what that is. That's what that's made up of. And try to really, really figure it out. Instead of taking two steps backwards and being redundant in paranormal investigations, I think instead of staying there for a couple hours or overnight, let's push ourselves. You know, and the psychology behind it is absolutely, it, that's what really intrigues me, to be honest with you, half the time, is where's the mental and physical breaking point when we're at our most vulnerable state? And we're learning, we're gathering more evidence and things are happening a lot more as we're pursuing through that 72 hours. Yeah, and, and when you are in, in a location, you know, such as Trans-Allegheny or, or any haunted location, and you are there uh, and putting yourself into that situation where you're surrounded by this potential for activity, it's, it's important to really, you know, that's when you really break yourself down as an investigator and figure out what it is that you're willing to believe in and what it is that you're willing to accept at face value and, and what you need to have proven to you more and more. So it actually makes you a stronger investigator to have to be surrounded by it for that long of amount of time. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, both Katrina and I are a very logical thinkers, so we're always trying to rationalize things. And we're the two of us will get in deep conversations and theorize, too, about certain things, like how how is it possible that intelligent spirit just said Katrina's name? How can we... How, how is it possible that it has vocal tones? And then we'll get into vibrational waves and how vibrational waves uh, work through the universe and how these things are, how we're all interconnected in some weird energy form and how things move and how people's paths cross. I mean, we get really deep in conversations, but these are the things and the topics that we should be thinking about if we're going to evolve the paranormal community and these things that are happening that we don't understand because that's the only, only way to try to start understanding it a little bit more. And, and Katrina, going all the way back to you know the early days of paranormal television, at least in in this uh, you know this version of it with uh, investigation shows, you know it's taken a while too for the audience to kind of catch up to where it's at. Do you feel like the audience can grasp some of these higher level concepts in paranormal research that that you and Nick are talking about? Yeah, I think that's why you know from the feedback I hear when I go out for lectures or events and just on. You know, even social media, I think that's what they've been wanting to see. Um, you know, I think part of, like, the, I don't know, like, the fights, I guess I could say, or we can call them, that I see, like, in the paranormal communities, because, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're wrong. Like, I'm right. And, you know, I think, you know, Nick, Nick and I, were not really out to, you know, tell anybody what to believe or, you know, anything like that, but... Um, you know, we have we go to these places where people are known to have experiences, and so we immerse ourselves in these environments to see if we can experience the same thing. And on top of it, hopefully, document it. Um, and if we can document something, you know, like we did in um, last night's episode, um, which is like just still mind blowing to me, and I'm still trying to figure out what that thing is. Um, you know, hopefully, we can come up with some answers and try to figure out, you know, what causes these things to happen. 
And it seems like, too, this is the perfect vehicle in, in this idea, in, in putting yourself in these locations for so long. Nick, you've been talking for years now about wanting to bring in new high-level uh, research and technology, you know, bringing in some of these devices that people are working on that the average paranormal investigator might not even grasp the concepts behind. And you've been talking about wanting to bring that into investigations and wanting to bring other investigators involved uh, with, with the process. So it seems like this longer investigation format is giving you the uh, ability to start working in some of that stuff that you've been blueprinting for years. Yeah, no, it has been. And you know me, Tim. I'm like a weird guy. I'll get up at, like, the middle of the night, and I'll have the most random ideas come to me. And it's weird. It's almost like foreseeing things to come, like foreseeing if this device was around right now in in our next generation or today, then maybe that will be the key to giving us that clarification of what these things are that we're capturing. So I think really, really outside the box of how can we do this? If this is what we want to do, how can we develop this thing? And what is it made up of? And then how, how does that work? And how the environmental factors play into key with that? So, I mean, I'm always thinking of how do we do, reduce certain things to push us forward? You know what I mean? So it's I'm just at the point in my life where I just I want to be somebody who discovers something new and discovers something groundbreaking. And, and just have, I, I mean, I have my own personal questions, too, that I, I want answered as I go through life. And I think as you keep pushing forward and you keep trying to discover that for your own personal sake and be passionate about it, then I think it's a matter of time when it kind of comes full front where basically like we are now with Trans Game, where we're creating things like the Geobox and we're using that and we're using the basic tools, too, like a digital recorder, but also our, our own bodies, our emotional, like, feelings that we're picking up on, but being grounded and logical at the same time and professional and just talking normal, like we're talking on a conversation right now. I mean, that's what it's really about. It's, it's enough of the, like, the overdramatic and just getting right to it. I think we're at the point now that if you want to discover something, you, like Katrina said, you have to immerse yourself into these locations and become a part of this environment. So the technology is definitely getting there, and I feel like we would have never been able to capture some of the evidence that we captured at Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum if we didn't have the equipment that we have now and if we didn't think outside the box to adapt the equipment to get to that next phase in this generation as we're pushing forward in this paranormal community. Well, and Katrina, if that's, you know, Nick's motivating factor behind, you know, wanting to further this research, how about yourself? I mean, have you reached the point where, you know, you've now accepted for yourself that this is real, that, that ghosts do exist, and, and what's your motivation now to keep going out there? Yeah, um, I think, you know, I, I believe in the sense that I believe that there are things in this world that we don't understand that are unknown and that science cannot explain yet. Um you know, and I think that comes from not only my personal experiences, but also obviously, you know, the scientists and doctors I've worked with over the years and eyewitnesses that I've talked to over the years and the investigations I've been on. Um, I, I think there's a full spectrum of the paranormal. Um, so I don't necessarily believe that um, a ghost is what we've defined it as so far, as somebody who's died that's now come back. I think that's absolutely possible, and there's enough, you know, uh, eyewitness accounts to suggest that that's real and that's something that happens. Um, 
But I also think there's a lot of other things that happen um, that might not fit under that definition. So for me, um, I think my personal, you know, quest for this is, you know, definitely to discover something new, like Nick said. Um, but it's really, like, to figure out, like, if, well, I know, I guess it's just discover something new. You know, I, I just really want to know, you know, hopefully take it one step further, the field that is, um, to figuring out what these things are because, you know, I go back to what I said earlier. We, we know people have these experiences. They, and, you know, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, what profession, what religion, what background, these things have been happening for hundreds of years all over the country. And um, so something is happening. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, the definitions that we have applied to these, uh, you know, different phenomena, but something is happening. So I think that deserves exploration. And and I can vouch, you know, firsthand in, in, in having some of these conversations with Nick where, you know, it should have been a 20-minute phone call to just touch upon a couple of things turns into, you know, a two-hour discussion about what the nature of some of this activity might yeah. be. And I love mm-hmm. that. And and is that something that you're going to be exploring in Paranormal Lockdown, the idea that it could be a variety of different things that are actually creating this phenomena that we call ghosts? I, I feel like we already are doing it, to be honest with you. I mean, don't you think, Katrina? I mean, we discussed it. I think it. so on camera, off camera, it doesn't matter what we're doing. Like right now, I mean, we're discussing right now. We we talk about this all the time. We'll be driving the airport together. And, we'll, and, and I'll just raise the question. It's weird. We were thinking about this, Katrina, right? The other day when we were flying home together from L.A., when we were doing all this press for Paranormal Lockdown, and we were, we were talking, and I just looked at her, and I had this weird thing that came in my head, and I said, do you think it's possible that energy, the way energy works and the way our universe kind of works and evolves do you think it could be possible that maybe it's it's us our energy our vibrational waves coming yeah. back and talking to our own self through some of these spirit voices i don't know it's very weird like but we get into discussions like that where it's just way out in left field but i think that's what you have to do you have to theorize sometimes and you can't be so one-sided with things because then it yeah. doesn't make you a strong investigator, and you're not invested in trying to search out new new ideas and new topics and what this could possibly be, because we just don't know yet. Well, I mean, and to me, I'm, I've reached the point almost where I'm going to be disappointed if, if we find out that ghosts are just dead people. Like, if that's all that it is, it's like, oh, really? <laughs> it, could, it could have been so much more. <laughs> but No, you're right. You're right. I mean, you're absolutely right, because, look... For the the world that we live in right now, there's such there's such positive people. There there is positive, and then there's negative. And for some people, Earth is like hell for them, right? I mean, we've all been through really terrible times in our life, and you would think and you would hope that there's a better place. So what is it that we're dealing with? And I think sometimes when you have dramatic deaths or murders or certain instances at location, it resonates outward that energy and sometimes that's what's lingering lingering or manifesting or or just moving through our this realm into our reality and we're able to document it at times so it's very bizarre how things work but i think that's what kind of makes us want to learn more and, and and just keep striving through and but I think that's why we don't get a lot of sleep either at these locations to be honest with you <laughs> it's frightening at times well, and, and that's one of the aspects that I found to be the most interesting because I'm thinking about it in my head. You know, and obviously the first thought that pops into my head when I hear you're going to be there for 72 hours is, well, where are they going to go to the bathroom? 
because a lot of these places don't have running water in them. Well, Trans-Allegheny actually has a functioning bathroom that was only the heated bathroom. Actually, the woman's room at the bottom in the administration part of the building on the first floor, there's actually a working bathroom. And um, Katrina was, like, the only heated woman's room, right? So she, yeah, she I like, actually took, like, naps in there when I could. <laughs> so, because it was, like, the only place I had heat. I, I didn't even think about the idea, though, of sleeping there. And, and you know, it's one thing if you're going to start, you know, setting yourself up with a, a little base camp and, and having a, some of the comforts at, uh, of home, but you're just basically laying out uh, on cots in the middle of these haunted locations. And, and I saw the one thing that I noticed, Katrina, right away is when you went to go to sleep on that first night, you pulled those covers up over your head tight and made yourself a cocoon. Yeah. And that's how I, honestly, that's how I normally sleep, like any kind of... Uh light really distracts me um and it's also really really cold so you know trying to keep out the cold but yeah there's definitely a part of me that's like i i just want to go to bed i don't want anything to distract me even though you know we're, we're trying to document things um you know but it's like it's so hard to get to sleep in these places because i think you're just naturally just your body is just on alert constantly so um anywhere it can kind of like relax you know, while we're there to try to get, you know, um, some some sleep, um, I try to do it, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think all of us that are involved in this uh, sleep that way. I think we kind of just naturally <laughs> develop the ability to make sure that we hide ourselves under the covers as best we can. And I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, unless it doesn't cover you, though. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the true. Thing about being tall. That's true. You're you're kind of screwed there, Nick. You know, yeah, the no, monsters it, are going to get you. There's a location that uh, coming up, Randolph County Infirmary in Winchester, Indiana, and we're at this location. It's like what was it, Katrina? Twenty degrees, if I remember correctly, and it was so cold during the night. And Katrina goes to the basement to sleep. I'm up on the third floor in this jail cell, and um, I tried so bad getting that sleeping bag over my head, and I just couldn't because I was too tall. And the sleeping bag just came up to, like, my eyes. And I had to, like, curl up and, and put the sleeping bag over me. And I, I felt, like, because there's a point where your body just kind of gives up. And I think that's how grueling this stuff is. It's, like, forget the paranormal for a second. It's, like, being at these locations can be so deafening at times. And there was a point where I go to sleep and my subconscious takes over and I'm in like a deep run sleep and I remember hearing Katrina's voice and I guess an hour passed and I must have just passed out and she's trying to wake me up and I laugh now because I'm alive but thinking about it like my subconscious was like alright am I dead am I, am I still alive what's going on I thought it was like I passed out I was in heaven and I froze to death and then Katrina's there waking me up and you see this arm just slip flip out of the sleeping bag and it looks like I'm a zombie and my arm just folds out and I'm, I start coming to and I realize that I'm still alive. It, it was it was so weird, that experience. Well, you, you mentioned some, you know, that as being one of the upcoming locations and, and uh, DestinationAmerica.com has a list of all the places that you'll be checking out and also the guest investigators that join you. And that's one thing that's uh, very unique about this because a lot of other paranormal research shows have gotten away from kind of expanding uh, the investigation to including outside people, but you bring in some of the some of the names and faces that people will recognize. You had Amy Bruni and Adam Berrion and John Tenney's coming up and Lorraine Warren. I mean, that must have been an honor just to have the opportunity to uh, to hang out with her for a little while and investigate. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just at the point where every single location, the re, we have reasons why we pick each location to research certain topics that we're interested in to try to study more in the paranormal. And also we're bringing in people for certain reasons to help push us through in these investigations. So there's a reason for everybody and a reason for why we talk to everybody for each location. Um, so, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, John Penny is a really, really knowledgeable individual, um, and it was crucial for him to bring, to bring him into Franklin Castle because we were trying to decipher legends and what's fact and what's not. Um, in all the other locations, I mean, they pay, play tribute to some of the people that we're talking to. Um, so it's incredible. I mean, I think everybody should come together as one unity and just kind of team up and try to discover something new. As a, as a team, you know, what's the point of separation? I mean, at this part of our life, if we want to discover something, let's push forward together. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, because you bring in those other approaches and those other, uh, you know, different energies that you never know what, what kind of uh, impact that could have in the investigation that you're conducting. Exactly. And I, I mean, look at, look at Adam Berry. When we brought Adam in and Amy for Trans-Allegheny, Adam wanted to lay down on the sleeping bag where I slept that night and he got, like, one of the most clearest spirit voices coming through on the digital recorder saying, hello, Adam, which I thought was really interesting. And it just kind of blew us all away in that short period of time when he when he captured that, uh, knowing that there's something intelligent that knows people's names and remembers and has the knowledge to, like, communicate through devices. It was just really weird. So we're looking forward to seeing the rest of the episodes that are coming up. And, of course, it airs Friday nights, 10 o'clock on Destination America, Paranormal Lockdown with Nick Roth and Katrina Weidman. I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes and, and just hearing some of those conversations between you and, and seeing some of the, the different approaches that you take and the different paths that you're willing to go down. It, I, one thing I can say about you, Nick, is you're never afraid to explore a tangent, even when other people are telling you that, you know, oh, that doesn't really make sense with what we know. That doesn't matter to you. You're always willing to go and, and see where the evidence leads you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you, Tim. I mean, you've been such a good supporter of everything that we uh, have been doing, and I really appreciate it. And, um, and it's it's just going to get better. That's all I can say is the locations get grittier and I think scary at times for Katrina and I personally. And you'll see when we get to like episode five when we're at the Hinsdale House, it gets it's a little frightening to be honest with you where this negative energy kind of um, attaches. But it's it gets a little weird. Um, but all I can say is we're going to keep doing what we like to do and. You know, and hopefully we can discover some amazing evidence that you're going to be uh, seeing pretty soon. Well, we are looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and uh, and stay safe out there, and, and good luck with all your future investigations. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. All right, Thank we, you. We will talk soon. Take care. That is Nick Ruff and Katrina Weidman of Paranormal Lockdown. Tune in Friday night, 10 o'clock, Destination America. Check it out on demand. If you haven't had the chance to see it yet, you can watch it on on demand. And, uh, and of course, absolutely, make sure that you're watching it live when it happens on Friday nights because you can actually interact and you can actually tweet with them and you can get involved with social media with them. And I, I've done that uh, on a number of occasions. Uh, it's so much fun to actually get deeper inside the episodes with everybody. So absolutely look forward to that on Friday nights. I'm just glad that it's on when I get out of work so I can do that. 
Well, for everybody that was joining us, uh, and for those of you who might have just been getting in, sorry, Nick and Katrina crashed our server a little bit there, but we're all up and running now, and now uh, we'll be talking ghosts. Number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa. And we had a great discussion in the first hour with Nick Roth and Katrina Weidman of Paranormal Lockdown, the new show on Destination America. And I can tell you that we had tons of people watching on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and at SpookyTV.com. And uh, if you are new to the show, if you were just tuning in, uh, for the first time, this is what we do every Saturday night. We talk about the paranormal, and we have both the radio component, and we have these in-studio cameras. And we have, you know, usually we have four cameras going around here in the studio, and we switch it, and we bring up some graphics. It's pretty cool. It's a, it's a different way to check out radio. But we don't fancy ourselves any kind of filmmakers at all. You know, we, we're, we're lucky we can even get these cameras working most of the time. And, uh, and of course, we welcome you to... Let us know all about that by tweeting us at SpookySC or talking about us on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. You can tell us just how bad we are at it. But we have somebody on the line who has produced what looks to be a great film. And uh, and if you are like us, a lot of you who are in the paranormal, whether you are researchers or just armchair enthusiasts, Ghostbusters is a touchstone moment in your life. It means something to you. It's more than just a funny movie that you watch every once in a while. It has something else that makes it so special for you. And we have somebody joining us on the line who has produced a film called Ghost Heads, uh, which looks at how that film has impacted some people's lives. And, uh, and Lee Leshen joins us on the phone now. Good evening, Lee. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, we nice are s- having me. We're spooktacular, as we say here, and <laughs> we've been beating that joke to death for 10 years now. But uh, <laughs> we, when Matt brought this up to me, uh, when he said, did you, know, did you know that this documentary is out? I'm sorry to say that I did not know that you were putting this film together, and I'm also sorry to know that you didn't uh, already. Sorry, i gotta, I got to go. i got to go. But you also made a, a documentary about one of my favorite films of all time as well, with Back, the Back to the Future series. You guys have just basically putting the, the spotlight on everything that I love. So thank you well, for doing that. Uh, well, it, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, I've got to give credit where credit is due. Um, this is this is a different crew that I'm working with. Um, I worked with uh, director Jason Aaron and executive producer Louis Frubich um, back in time. And uh, while we were wrapping that up, uh, one of the producers of Ghost Heads reached out to me. Um, so it's a, it's a different crew I ended up working with for Ghost Heads. But uh, I'm happy to be a part of, of two movies um, that, that touch on two movies that have um, impacted so many people's lives and shaped, you know, I mean, you talk about movies that, that shape a generation and, and certainly Back to the Future uh, and absolutely uh, Ghostbusters um, are, are two perfect examples. And what is it about Ghostbusters, though? And, and you talk to a lot of fans as, as well yeah. as, you know, uh, people associated with the film, but what is it about what just seems like what su- should be, you know, just a, a, a horror comedy? Why has that had such a lasting impact on people's lives? 
Um, I think it's because, um, really, it's, it's the idea of it's, it's, it's what it's what shapes the actual ghost heads and their credo. It, it's um, the idea of the messaging from the movie that translates so well over into real life, and that messaging is, you know, um, teamwork and uh, doing good for the common man and, of course, friendship, you know. So I think um, everybody can kind of relate to that. Certainly, uh, I know more often than not, I talk to people who uh, uh, relate to Rick Moranis' character uh, more than anything else. Because, really? Uh, well, yeah, because, I mean, he was a guy who was an outsider, and he was taken in by, by um, you know, three guys he really didn't know, but they all had a common connection, and, you know, he ends up, um, you know, really, and certainly in Ghostbusters 2, saving the day. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, he's, you know, he's just this this guy who, oddly um, enough, seems to have a lot of friends. Because in the first one, he's having a party, he's got all these people in his apartment. But he really does kind of, you know, come at us like like an outsider. And um, I know I identified with him growing up, and many, many other people did, especially a lot of the ghost heads. Uh, and he gave them a voice, um, you know, and, and, and showed it's okay to be different and to be accepted, you know, for your differences. And I think a lot of people just feel... Um, you know, in all walks of life, at all ages, um, everybody's you know used to feeling vulnerable and feeling um, that that uh, you know they, they want to be included um, in something. And, and I think that you know the, the messaging that um, Ghostbusters provides uh, and Ghost Heads that it's okay to be different. Uh, you're not going to be alone. Um, is something that, that that keeps that that that's, that that can't be dated. You know, that's universal. Right. That's timeless. And, and I think if you talk to, you know, we, we talk directly to the paranormal community on this show, and I think if you talk to a lot of paranormal investigators, you know, we all fancy ourselves Peter Venkmans. You know, we right. always think we're, you know, the, the smart ass who's walking in there and, and not afraid of anything. And uh, But I think uh, what it is, though, is that there's so many different types of personalities in these films that everybody can kind of gravitate toward. They can all kind of find who it is that gives them their voice and gives them their perspective on how they would deal with this stuff if they had to face it head on. Uh, But what I find most interesting about the ghost heads is that it's different than what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who saw Ghostbusters and said, I want to go out and look for ghosts. The people that you're talking to, they could care less about whether or not ghosts actually exist. Oh, yeah, no, that has nothing to do with it. That uh, It's... it's, um uh it's it's more about um yeah no I, 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 i'm sorry i'm just watching the thing am i still on the air dude do we cut up it looks like you're still talking oh yeah there's, there's a delay oh sorry okay so i'm sorry <laughs> um uh no it really doesn't have to do with with actual ghosts whether they exist or not it has to do uh with the um with you know with the guys that's really what it has to do with and, and that's something that in, in all of my years of, you know, kind of worshiping these films, that's something that's kind of gone under my radar because I'm so involved in the ghost world, I don't realize that it has an impact on people in terms of camaraderie and in terms of brotherhood and in terms of wanting to kind of, you know, and, and what, what was great about the Ghostbusters is they weren't coming into this as following in anybody else's footsteps. They were innovating. They were coming up with this idea of being paranormal exterminators and being the first ones to ever do that. And I I think that some of these people who are, you know, the fan worship for it are willing to make that same type of leap to say, you know, I would be on the forefront of that if that came about if I could have my friends around me like this. Exactly. I mean, there's strength in numbers. And, you know, uh, more to the point of, 
of, of Ghostbusters being loved for something uh, more than just a horror comedy type of movie, um, it, it's a lot like uh, Life with Back to the Future. Um, you know, it's not really, it's not a time travel movie. It's not a science fiction movie. It's not a comedy. It's not a drama. It's not a kid who wants to save his family. And I think a lot of that is lost, you know, um, when, when people, you know, they might not realize that that's why they love it, but that's where that longevity came from. It's just about a kid trying to save his family. And the same thing with Ghostbusters. For the family, it's the city. Here are these guys who are everyday guys who happen to, you know, have uh, great brains and, and a great passion and love for what they do, um, and they put that to good use, um, and they get to save the city twice. So how did it come about then to, you know, obviously with the Back to the Future film, you have, you know, uh, that kind of already under your belt. And how do you decide now to then turn the spotlight and turn the lens on to the Ghostbusters community? How did you even find out that there was a community of ghost heads out there? Sure, they found me. Um, ah. uh, Tommy Avalon, uh, uh, who is um, uh, the producer uh, and also the director of a terrific documentary called I Am Santa Claus that's on Netflix now, um, he uh, he reached out while we were wrapping up uh, um, back in time, and um, we had just gotten to know each other. And then, you know, when I was um, kind of finishing up the project, he had said, Look, you know, is this something you want to, would you be interested in, in, in joining the team? And, and um, you know, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a great way to go from one beloved franchise to another. And, and um, you know, it's, it's something that was certainly part of my childhood. I'm not a ghost head, but, um, it, you know, I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s. I mean, you know, our, 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 our co-producer on this is Adam F. Goldberg from the Goldbergs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you watch the show. Oh, I love but, the show. Yeah, so, the, I mean, that's me. You know, that, that was me when I was a kid. So, you know, all these types of movies, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, and, and there's tons of other references in, uh, in, um, in the Goldbergs and stuff. I mean, that, that was me, you know what I mean? So, it, uh, to go from... Uh, it was a no-brainer to go from Back to the Future to, to Ghostbusters. And um, when Tommy sent me the initial, we did an Indiegogo uh, campaign. They had done one to, um, for their production budget. There's currently one going on, if I can plug it. Uh, there's a uh, Kickstarter campaign now. Uh, if you go to ghostheadsmovie.com, it'll take you over to the Kickstarter page. We've got about a little less than a week to go, and we're almost at our goal, so we'd love some help on that. But we... Um, when Tommy had sent me the Indiegogo campaign trailer, there was um, uh, a gentleman on stage uh, at a convention. It was a ghost at addressing um, uh, a big crowd, and they were talking about all the things that the ghosts had to do, and they do things like um, raise money for their communities and local charities. Um, and, um, you know, one of the main things they do is they go to children's hospitals. And the guy who was speaking said uh, something to the effect of, you know, when you go into a place where um, children should never have to be, you know, which is a hospital, um, and you see them smile because of, you know, because you're, because you're there, you know, that, that, that right there made the lump in my throat grow to the size of a softball. And I just said, I'm in, man. Where do I sign? You know, this is, this is something I want to be a part of. And it's been a terrific ride. I mean, the ghost heads are terrific. It's been great meeting uh, some of the cast and crew from the movies, um, you know, and, um, and, and we're, we're hoping to have a, a rough cut soon. We've, we've locked our director away in a little cage, and we said you can't come out until you have a rough cut. So he's in there right now. He's uh, actually he's in the ecto-containment unit. 
He, exactly. He, yeah, we split him in, and we switched over to green, so, you know, he doesn't come out until, uh, until he, you know, he knocks three times in spits or something like that. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I deal with, uh, you know, uh, there's a, a Comic-Con that we have here in Rhode Island every year that I'm, I'm part of, and I, I do some uh, hosting and some panel moderating for them. And, you know, there's a lot of that stuff going around these days. There's a lot of those conventions happening. And I've gotten the chance to know a lot of, you know, some of the Star Wars organizations. We have a group of, uh, of high school girls here where we are uh, that dress up as Disney princesses and go out and do charity events. I mean, this is, it's really become a way for people to kind of, live out their dreams as their heroes, but also make an impact and do good for other people. And, and it seems to be something that snowballs from, from one to another that now they pick up the mantle of whatever it is that they're into, and they find a way to turn it around and make good with it. Well, yeah, it's funny because we, we, we did a whole bunch of the Comic-Cons with, uh, back in time. We, uh, we did uh, uh, WonderCon. We did San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, we were in London. We did C2E2 in Chicago, which... Um, the Tommy and I will be out again this year in Chicago um, in, uh, um, um, I believe, late March. Um, and uh, when we were there, you know, because it was it was 2015, and because it, you know, um, uh, certainly the ones that were closer to October, uh, October, you know, uh, our release, October 21st, 2015, which was uh, Future Day, mm-hmm. Marty goes to, to part two. I just expected to see a lot more Marty. I thought there would be a lot more, you know, hoverboards. There would be a lot more uh, Doc. Um, and instead, I saw a ghost. I mean, I saw some of them, certainly, especially if there was going to be something that, or if it was a Back to the Future, like London was, was the theme, Back to the Future, uh, and if there was going to be a DeLorean there. And people knew there were always Martys around that. But wandering the floor, we, we would always wander the floor and just kind of meet people. And, and, and for us, also, it was a learning experience. We, didn't, we hadn't really been to a lot of Comic-Con um, prior to that. So uh, we would meet these, um, or we, we would just see these, these, these guys dressed up in ghost uniforms. And um, looking back now, it's a I didn't get to meet any of them at the time. But, uh, you know, meeting plenty through the, through the movie. But what I noticed back then, which is something that we always talk about now, is that they didn't have, you know, Stance or Venkman on their, their, their patch. They had mm-hmm. their own names. So, you know, they had their own last names. So, it, it, you know, it, they really take this seriously. This is part of them, you know. And um, um, the, it, even the franchises are very serious um, because it's, it's serious fun, you know, that they have. And, and, and they do good work. And, and uh, I'm lucky enough to be... An honorary member of the the New York uh, New York City Ghostbusters, um, but if you look on you know the, uh, the application pages and stuff, I mean, there's you, you've got to kind of go through some hoops um, uh, to just kind of say, look, I, I'm I'm honest about this, I'm passionate about this, I wanna I wanna start a franchise in my neighborhood, in my in my town, you know, things like that. It's serious business. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the New Hampshire group that I was talking to at one of the Rhode Island Comic Cons, and and they said that part of the deal with being able to to don the you know to don the suit and to to be able to have the the no ghost patch on your uniform, you right. have to give something back. I mean, you have to have a community initiative to be considered part of the the Ghostbusters family. Right. I mean, and, and that's. I mean, there's a lot of other clubs you can join where you can pay a fifty dollar. I don't know what the membership fees that there are any with with it. But I mean, you you can you can pay a fifty dollar annual fee and you you, you get sent a welcome pack and you're in the club and you really don't have to do anything. You're just you can say you're in the club. This is not that. This is you know you know we want you to participate. We want you to get 
to get out there and spread the messaging um, that we represent uh, of, you know, of doing good for that common man, of, of raising that money, of lifting the kids' spirits. And really, you know, the, I think the best part about it is that, um, it, you know, it provides um, a community for people to feel safe in who in other communities might not feel um, as comfortable. You know, it, it's the Lewis Tully effect. I mean, they, they, they get to meet people. Um, maybe they were, you know, it, geek culture is, is only been really getting true respect in, I would say, what, like the last 10 years? Yeah. I, I mean, that, you yeah. know what I mean? To get to, where it's getting to the point where um, it, it's, it's, you know, cool back in my day was completely different to what it is now. Uh, when you go into a school, uh, high school, you know what I mean, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or younger. And, and it's, um, so for a lot of these guys who are, who are not young, you know, who are adults who have grown up in the, with the idea of being a geek means I'm something less or I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not normal. I, I shouldn't be accepted by society. Well, this just blows all that out, out of the water, you know, and says, no, there's a place and, and we actually do some really positive stuff. You know, and and come over and and be accepted, and your differences make you a stronger member of this community. Well, and and you mentioned the co-producer on the film, Adam F. Goldberg, and I, I yeah. gotta, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you: in real life, how much is he like the character that that uh, is portrayed of him on the television? He smiles show? a lot. He smiles the same amount as uh, Sean on the show. Um, uh, Sean, by the way, is exactly his character. I mean, when, when I met him on the set, uh, when we were filming some stuff back in time, he is exactly that. He's got that energy. He's got that smile. He's just a, uh, a delight to be around. Adam is the same way. Adam is, um, is somebody who, I mean, he was, it was great. When, he, when, he, when we were interviewing Leah Thompson, we interviewed her on the, uh, on, in the basement set of the Goldbergs. Oh, wow. And he came down from his office, uh, with his hoverboard and he wanted her to sign it and get a photo. I mean, you know, this guy, I mean, you know, he, he wrote fanboys. You know, I mean, this—he's a fanboy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, yeah, he's everything you want him to be and more. I, I had this weird thought the other day, just thinking about the Goldbergs. How meta is it going to be when they have an episode where you know uh, Adam Goldberg is watching the Wonder Years? Like that would just <laughs> be mind blowing. But actually, when you look at the Kickstarter and you look at some of the uh, some of the things that you can earn from your donations, one of them is that if you pledge uh, about it says about. About twenty five hundred dollars U.S. dollars. If you pledge that, you will actually get the chance to visit the set of the Goldbergs. Yes, and I'll, I'll be honest, it's worth it. Um, the Sony lot is one of the best lots in Hollywood. The the, uh, the back lot of Sony because it's it's a real working studio. Um, they do tour, nothing like Universal. Where it's, you know, it's a ride. I mean, they, they, it's, it's, you're there to do work, uh, but it's like you remember you when you watch the old Looney Tunes uh, cartoons. And they would do something where maybe they were doing a, you know, sort of meta episode and, and they'd be walking in between sound stages, see people, you know, hordes of, uh, Humphrey Bogart know, and Frank. Exactly. Yeah, yep. Just walking through people in like, you know, togas and Caesars, and, you know, all things. That's what it's like at Sony. I mean, you know, um, mostly it's, it's people running back and forth with coffee, but occasionally that's the type of stuff you see. You know, I mean, um, you, you get to see a lot of the show cars, you get to, um, you know, that are driving around a lot. I mean, it's, um, it's really just a fun lot to be on. And the Goldberg set is, when you walk into that set, you're on that set. You know you're in the Goldberg's house. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty cool to, to, to be there. And, and, of course, anybody who grew up in the suburbs has been in this house before. You know, we've right, been in yeah. this type of house before. 
So it's it's a real treat. And Adam and his whole staff are just terrific people uh, to work with. They're great. If I scrape up enough money, you know, digging through the couch cushions and everything, I can come up with an extra couple of hundred dollars. Can I make a big, tasty music video while I'm there, too? <laughs> uh, well, well I'll, I'll check with Adam. It depends on how many extra hundred dollars. As long as Jeff Garland doesn't wear pants. That's my one requirement. No, no, no. That's the, exactly. Exactly. And um, and I hope one day to, to be like him when I grow up where I can... Uh, come in and just drop my pants and, and then just be king of the castle. Oh, my friend, I am already there. Uh, uh, one of the other things that uh, that I noticed, too, about this uh, documentary, Ghost, Ghost Heads, too, is that Zack Ryder is a big ghost hunt, uh, Ghostbusters fan. Yeah. And I didn't know that about him. I mean, I knew, that, I knew that he was kind of into all things geek, but I didn't realize that uh, Ghostbusters was a big part of his life. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm the wrong person to talk about. This to be the, where, where I just am uh, just a really bad guest. Um, I am not the guy that got Zach involved in the film. That was Tommy. Tommy's a big wrestling fan, has been his whole life, um, and knew that, uh, that Zach was, was a big fan, so got him involved. He's it, been terrific. It just goes to show, though, you never know who it is that, that this film, uh, these two films, uh, soon to be three, have such a, a, a part of their life and such a part of who they are. It, it's, it's something that's touched a lot of people without ever even realizing it. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's something you can really... Um, bond with, um, you know, whether it's it's uh, talking about uh, movies or people bond over music or, I mean, how many people now are just, you know, comparing Netflix views, you know, this is, it, it's a medium of storytelling that can really bring a lot of people together when it's done right, um, you know, you can make the stuff of legends like, uh, like Ghostbusters and, and build a franchise that makes sense 30 years later, you know, I mean, it's, and it's, and it's you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a completely different type of movie. Um, and I mean, but you know, at its heart, it's, it's um, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a comedy like like the first one, uh, like the you know the, the first two in the franchise um, that followed a lot of similar rules of other comedies from from back then. And I think this will will do the same because that's that's you know, audiences all kind of grow together and mature together. Mm-hmm. And you know, movies that were made in the '80s in the style of the '80s um, might not work as well unless it's done in a tongue-in-cheek way, like uh, like Wet Hot American Summer or something like that. You know, um, so uh, I'm I'm really excited to to see what Paul Feige's done with the, uh, the the new cast. I'm really really looking forward to it. And he's he's been uh, a big supporter of, of of ours as well. Well, I was going to so. say, it's usually when you see a lot of these documentaries about about fans, you don't always necessarily get the impact of the original stars of whatever property it is that people are a fan of. But with this, you were able to get a lot of interviews with people, not only from the first two films, but also with people coming up from the new uh, the new film that's coming out this summer. Yeah, well, right now we've, we've got Paul, um, who was very generous with his time, um, and uh, we got the chance to interview him uh, again at the Stummy Lot, um, where uh, where the Ghost Corps office is, which is uh, I'm sure you're knows, but that's the uh, the new company that Ivan Reitman and, and Dan Ackward set up, and it's great because the, the facade they redid the facade of the building that, where Ghost Corps is to make it look like the entrance to the ladder eight. Um, uh, firehouse. So it's, 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 you know, you walk in and there's a giant no ghost logo right in front of you, right where the check-in desk, the reception desk is. And it's, you know, you're just, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, this is what you, what you hope, you know, it would look like in there where there's, you know, a, a big hellhound staring you in the face as soon as you walk in. You know what I mean? So, um, but I forgot the original question. I'm sorry. I wandered. Oh yeah. Paul. Oh, yeah. Um, that- but, uh, um, we we got the chance to interview him uh, in one of the, uh, the the mixing theaters there, 
Um, and it was the Anthony Quinn uh, mixing stage, if, if, uh, if I remember correctly. A beautiful uh, uh, theater where they, where they do sound mixing and stuff. Uh, and it's great. Uh, he was so just generous with his time. He brought in some of the, uh, the props of the movie to show us. Um, you know, he showed us the, um, obviously the new Echo and the new Photon Packs. I mean, you know, I mean, it's great to be, uh, filmmakers and be professionals, but it's also great to geek out on set. And when you got a guy like Paul, you can freely do that. Well, that, you know, I, mean, I mean, that, that's. Uh, Jason Aaron and I were geeking out on back in time when we were interviewing, uh, Alan Silvestri because he was, uh, uh, when we had wrapped up, um, the interview, he was working on something for, um, uh, the new movie, The Walk. Uh, Bob Zemeckis is the movie, and we um, he had the keyboard out, and he had all the sound equipment, and he was just kind of playing something. And the, the the sound he was using, like recognized it immediately from Forrest Gump. It was the same uh, the same tone on the keyboard, and he was just kind of like writing stuff on a, a touchscreen um, uh, monitor, and then would, would kind of just riff on it. And and Jason and I, who are both musicians, were kind of elbowing each other, saying, "This is so cool! You know, we get to geek out as musicians and watch this happen." So. It, it's the whole process of, of, of making these documentaries allows us to um, learn so much more about uh, the subjects that we're covering, as well as kind of you know relive some of the fun that we remember as kids. I, I got a shiver down my spine when you were telling that story because the, the Back to the Future theme is my favorite movie theme of all time. Oh, it's terrific! It's it, terrific. Everything, it's just epic, and everything about it just kind of, you know, it just grabs me right away. And speaking of music, uh, you, you know, Ray Parker Jr. was interviewed for Ghostheads, too, and I, I wonder if, even after all these years, if Bustin still makes them feel good. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we asked him that, um, but... Uh, you guys uh, need to make a sequel already, because you, you can make a whole other movie just based on that question. I think we can. I mean, listen, some of these Ghostheads uh, are already BLs, too. You know, uh, the Louisiana Ghostbusters has a web series out there about all the stuff they do. If you really want to learn stuff about it, I mean... You know, watch watch some of that stuff. But um, no, Ray Ray was terrific. He was. Um, uh, we we got to interview him right before uh, the holidays uh, last year, and um, as so he, so his house was beautiful, and he's all decorated for Christmas. So as we're setting up the uh, the equipment, and this again is another time that you know you you are there as a professional, but you. Uh, Inside cannot deny, you know, that uh, your stomach is doing uh, flips because Ray Parker Jr. is on his couch and he's just strumming the Ghostbusters theme for a little while, and then he switches into Christmas Carol, <laughs> and he's and he's just on this acoustic guitar, and it was just, it was, you know, setting up the shoes is boring, you know, setting up the lights and setting up the can, it, it can get kind of, especially for a producer. I don't really deal with the technical stuff, you know. So uh, for me, it, you know, it's 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 kind of just making sure everything's running smoothly and just and just making sure everybody's happy. Um, but there I just got to sit and watch Ray play uh, while we set up and, and it was uh, it was great. He was he was he was very um, humble about uh, his work on the film and and, uh, and he uh, he was really proud of it as well. You know, and he was happy that, that um, so many people have uh, have embraced the uh, the song. And um, you know, much like Huey Lewis's stuff with with, with Back to the Future, you know, uh, the movies and the music uh, they just help each other there. Well, I was going to say one of the good things about uh, Ray Parker Jr. playing Christmas carols is Huey Lewis can't sue him for copyright infringement. Uh, uh, but, but one thing I will say about about uh, about that, as far as I can remember, I think that the Ghostbusters theme was one of the first 
instances where a music video was used to kind of promote a film like that, where they cross promoted like that, and they had the stars of the film be in the music video. Yeah, I think you might be right. Something else is Thriller definitely wasn't a movie, but I'm trying to think of something else. I yeah, can't, I, yeah, I can't think of one either. Probably started the trend. Because that's about the same. Didn't MTV start in '84? Yeah, and they started, and uh, well, in '81. But I think that was the first big soundtrack song, and they had all the cameos from all the other Hollywood stars that weren't even in the film yeah. that were just there, you know, talking about. Go- and, and then for some reason, Al Franken was considered a big enough star to be in the yeah. video. But well, he was on SNL, I forget. Yeah, but still, I mean, you know, you go from Daryl Hannah and Danny DeVito and Chevy Chase to he was Al a Franken. comic icon of the '80s, and then now he's you know he twisted it. Come on, he's silly. Look, in the eighties, you could get away with so much. That's you true. Could get away with, and, and, and because you could get away with so much, there was um, we had. I mean, that's where you have the, the, the Ray Charles and the Super Bowl commercials. You know, I mean, um, you know, it was it was just a great time for uh, for entertainment and for really what started branded entertainment, which is what we're talking about. I mean, celebrity you know, endorsement or, or, or the, the cast appearing in the uh, in the video. For you and I, and, and for Matt here, you know, we we love Ghostbusters because we look lo- up anytime you want. By the way, <laughs> oh no problem. <laughs> you know, we love we love being able to remember back to when we were kids in the '80s. But I'm sure a lot of these Ghostheads, at least in seeing some of the the people that are in the trailer, a lot of these people were born well after the Ghostbusters movies came out, so they didn't live through the Ghostbusters hype that we did. Uh, yeah, no, I mean that's that's I, you know the beauty of all this is that um, I mean I was talking to somebody. Uh, the other day, who's around my age, and we were on a call about something, and and going to partner up with uh, with with us for something, and and when we kind of just, and he said, guys, you know, I haven't seen Ghostbusters in ages. And I said, well, you know what, you should you should watch it because it, it is so much better now as an adult, in my opinion. Uh, first of all, you get a lot more of the jokes, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but it is it is it, it is a movie that just holds up. It really does, uh, both of them, you know. So, um, I mean, but for us though, it's become you know, it's like it's part of our vernacular. Like if if I screw something up, Matt will tell you we've worked together for years. If I screw something up, I'll be like, mother pus bucket. It just uh-huh. it works its way into your mind, and it and it becomes part of the fabric of who you are. Even if even if you're not like us and you're obsessed with the film, if you've just seen it enough times, it just becomes that reference point for all of society. Sure. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Um, again, this comes back to the, the point I was saying about just you know how how TV and uh, and and, uh, and and movies can bring can bring a mass audience together, make you feel something at the same time all at once. Uh, it's it's why. I mean, my brother and I can can you know sit around for hours and just throw each other one line movie quotes and just try to guess back and forth. You know what I mean? And and, and Ghostbusters. You know. Um, uh, I mean, look, did you hear that? You know what I mean? It's like something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's a brilliant line that you, you've got to know. Um, or is it listen? Did you, did you it's, see that? It, it's, it's, I believe it's, uh, listen, do you smell some? Do you okay. smell that? Yeah, something like Well, we're, we're, the point is, we would have gotten it. <laughs> I mean, my brother and I, could, we could just, I mean, I, and a lot of people do that. Because it's, 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 Ghostbusters is one of those movies that fits that category. It's mm-hmm. got the line, you know. Um, I mean, you can just say Twinkie. I mean, and 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 I think uh, half the people who grew up in the eighties know what you're talking about, right? And you know uh, I, mean? I actually saw that the news that for the for the new film coming out, uh, they're bringing out Twinkies that have key lime filling. 
So you'll yeah. have like a Ghostbusters Twinkie, and also they're bringing back Ecto Cooler. Yep. Well, they had they had um, so uh, Sony hosted uh, a couple of days ago. They hosted a um, uh, for for select ghost heads and some press. Um, they they had them out at the uh, the lot, and they showed the they debuted the trailer um, uh, for everybody. And then afterwards, they went to the commissary, and uh, they were served uh, Twinkies served with green cream, and they had um, uh, uh, cannolis with uh, green stuff. So, I mean, you know, the, the, I think a lot of people are going to jump on the bandwagon with this stuff. Um, I'm 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 thrilled about you know the, to hear that 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 way he's going to be doing something because it's great when the old brands come back I and mean, look what Pepsi Pepsi did with Pepsi Perfect for Back to the Future. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yep. And I, I think if you I think you know Ecto Cooler could have actually had its own documentary there because yeah. people are so obsessed with that drink that they were trying to make it themselves and it's like you know back in the 1920s people would be making gin in the bathtubs. Well, we've got ghost heads that are making Ecto Cooler in their bathtubs. Yeah. So bathtub cooler, yeah. Exactly. So now, uh, it, this is coming out soon, as you said, and, uh, and people can still donate to the Kickstarter campaign for it, for the movie Ghost Heads, but is there anything else that you'd like to kind of uh, get behind, anything else that you'd like to explore the world of uh, coming up in the future? Well, um, I'm, uh, I've had the chance, uh, when we were showing back in time at the somewhat north of Boston Film Festival, I had the chance to see um, uh, comedian Ray Harrington, who's from Rhode Island, uh, Community Ray Harrington's documentary "Be a Man," um, and uh, I'm now working with Ray to try to get that uh, distribution. So um, that is basically about a guy who is um, about to be a father, but uh, uh, to a to a newborn uh, baby boy, and he is uh, he grew up without a dad, so he doesn't know how to be a dad to a boy. Basically, so he he. Um, and kind of just explores um, the world of being a man, like uh, getting into a, a boxing ring with an ex-pro fighter, you know, an ex-championship fighter. Uh, he gets uh, in, you know, goes to a bar and he learns how to order ten manly drinks. And he drinks all of them. Obviously, gets you know drunk, and uh, and uh, then you know he goes to buy. He wants to to, to learn how to know more about cars, so he learns how to drive all these fast cars. Um, ultimately, he ends up driving a very familiar car. I'm not going to get too far into it, but it's. Uh, it's, everybody will recognize it, um, but it's, uh, it's it's just a really sweet, hysterically funny movie. I mean, the audience was laughing. Ray's comedy uh, is 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 you know riffing. His off the cuff stuff is just hysterical. So from beginning to end, um, uh, the audience, my girlfriend and I were there together watching it, and it was uh, we were all laughing from start to finish. So um, I said to him after I said, hey, "We, we got to figure out how to get this off the Netflix or something." So everybody should see this movie. It's so good, and it's uh, it's got a nice message as well as being hysterically funny. Um, it's it's also a very warm movie, um, and so he and I are gonna uh, work on another movie. Uh, I can't really talk about it right now, but 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 it's it's it, it's going to be a departure from the nostalgia kind of documentaries, uh, looking back on on films. Not to say that that's not going to be a part of my world. Um, but as far as the, the next project after Ghost Heads, most likely will will be that. Um, so uh, we'll see. We'll see. 
Well, it certainly sounds like uh, like that'll be a great and very special film. Uh, but of course, you know, for those who still want to get involved with Ghost Heads, there's still time. Uh, there's still some uh, some great packages available for people that really want to get involved with it. You can have the chance to, to actually go to the premiere of the new film and, and to visit the set of the Goldbergs and to get some signed memorabilia. And it just goes to show too, like how much everybody that's involved in this, even the people that you interviewed, loves the idea of this great community around Ghostbusters that they're giving you all of these uh, great items that you can then turn around and give to some of your backers. Yeah, we've, we've been really lucky with that. I mean, we, we've had this uh, suitcase full of goodies that we've been sh- sh- schlepping around all the uh, all the different interviews. I mean, Dan Aykroyd has signed some stuff. And he, Dan was great because he gave us all these books that um, we had talked about, you know, internally saying, oh, maybe we can get Dan's uh, father's book. Um and uh, then he, you know, and we were thinking, okay, well, do we, do we buy them online first? And ultimately, we thought of it too late. We couldn't get them in time. And when we showed up, he had them with him and said, you know, here, I'll find them. You guys can, can use them uh, to raise money. I mean, and yes, and Sony has been terrific. They gave us two pairs of um, uh, the, uh, the uh, tickets to the actual Ghostbusters New York City premiere, which I, I believe is the only premiere. Uh, unfortunately, those, um, those are, 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 both pairs are gone. However, if somebody does have the five thousand um, dollars, I'm sure we can get another pair. Um, uh, but you know, there are tons of other great, more inexpensively uh, uh, priced uh, rewards there. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then we're also going to be having a pretty major announcement uh, sometime midweek this week, uh, most likely Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so uh, if, if you uh, want to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you'll be the first to know there. Uh, it's it's pretty it's a pretty big uh, juicy one. It's the biggest Twinkie we've announced so far. Let me just put it that way. And so, if people want to fo- follow you on social media, how can they do so? Uh, yeah, they can go to uh, Facebook. Uh, on Facebook, we are Ghosthead Movie. Uh, Facebook dot com forward slash Ghosthead Movie. Uh, on Twitter, I believe it was the same thing. Um, let me just double check that. Um, and uh, I believe the same thing on, um, yeah, Ghost Movie on Twitter and then also on Instagram. Um, and then they can also, right now, our, the, the, our URL, our, our website is, is forwarding to the, uh, the Kickstarter page, the, the ghostheadsmovie.com URL forwards to, to the Kickstarter. We'll probably leave it like that for a little while uh, because it's just what, so we can focus on the post-production and the release of the film rather than building a whole website. So we're probably going to leave it to, on the Kickstarter for a while and just, continually putting the updates there so you can always go there and just click on the updates tab um and we'll continually updating it there as well as uh, obviously facebook um but there is uh there are six days to go on the uh the, the campaign we're a, a little less than four thousand dollars away from our goal um we'd love for people to uh to you know get in touch with us donate and uh if they if there's a, a select kind of special package they want us to put together for the rewards we can probably do that also so uh just let us know Sounds great, and uh, and people could uh, certainly uh, keep continuing to support the project even after all the funds are raised by sharing and talking about it on social media and making sure that the whole world knows uh, about this because I, I do think that uh, everybody that I've ever met that is a Ghostbusters fan to the level of the type of people featured in Ghostheads have just been nice, quality people, people that I would actually want to have come to my house and get yeah. rid of a ghost should that need arise. Yeah, you know, honestly, the, the uh, I mean, the fans have been terrific. Um, uh, they really have. I mean, 
people, a lot of people, uh, you know, no matter what they, they feel about a, a new movie being made, you know, revisiting the franchise, they're all great with us. Um, they're all uh, supportive. Um, they, you know, respect us for for um, adhering to uh, the qualities and messaging of the franchises, excuse me, of the franchise, uh, and and being true to telling their story. You know, um, and it's it is it's very heavily a fan story uh, with a little bit of uh, making of stuff in there. But it, a lot of the time, when we're talking to Dan uh, Dan Ackroyd or um, or Ivan or anybody, you know, a lot of it wasn't just you know, hey, what was it like to shoot, you know, in New York City. What was it like to shoot at the library? It, it was more about, you know, what's your reaction to the fans? Mm-hmm. And, and Ivan and Danny and, and Paul inviting every, you know, all the ghost heads out to, you know, to the Sony lot, flying people out and, and putting them up and, um, and, and showing them the trailer first. I mean, you know, that's just a testament to their, their appreciation for the fans. And that's really all this, this is doing. We're literally just documenting, um, you know, we're just, we're, we're just flies on the wall and just, and uh, just the stories are telling themselves. Well, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing this, and uh, and I wish you all the luck with it. And I hope that you know this new film continues to just grow the cult of Ghostbusters. That more and more people, uh, you know, not just a, not just welcome it into their life, but admit that it's actually been part of their lives all along. Because we we've all quoted it at least once. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I I hope so too. I mean, um, you know, uh, we were very lucky with back to with back in time and back to the future where the uh, uh, October 21st really helped us because a lot of the, you know, the national conversation, um, literally USA Today, you know, printed the, uh, the Marty Jail, um, uh, uh, McFly Jail, um, uh, newspaper that day. You know, the, the conversation was started, um, uh, because of the date and, and we, we lucked out because of that. Um, and, I, and, but I really think that, and I hope that we were part of bringing that franchise back to the forefront of people's minds and I hope that, that people will watch our documentary uh, and, and go and watch Back to the Future and, and, and really appreciate it and I think the same thing is going to happen with, with Ghosthead because we you know uh, yes we, we, we just passed one of the dates uh, coincidentally February 14, <laughs> 2015 you know Valentine's, Valentine's Day bummer, bummer. so um, you know we just passed that date but you know um, we're hoping that uh, that the combination of, of our movie and, and, uh, and of, of, of Ghostbusters um, really brings back uh, these common themes, these positive messages that come out of the out of the, the movies um, that are so needed and so relevant in today's world. All right, well, Lee Leshen, thank you so much for joining us, and, and we look forward to talking with you more down the line and uh, and finding out what the reaction is to the film once it's released. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out for us. All right, you have a great night. Take care. You too. Bye. And uh, and Matt, I'm going to take you to task on something because you. Uh, we talked about this a little bit off there. You have to watch the Goldbergs. I do. I do. It's believe me. It's it's us. Just like Lee was saying, it was him. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. us. I mean, it's everything that we were all about. But that's exactly what is so great about uh, about having a. F- I don't even want to say a fan base so much as it is a fan community. As much as it is people who have come together and and made this part of their lives. We see it with a lot of uh, you, you know paranormal people that are out there, the paranormal researchers that we talk to, are really just no different than some of these fan groups that want to just go out and and be the people that they see in these uh, in these properties that they like, in these tele- television shows and movies. Right. It is really great that um, there's 
there are these things like the the Ghostbusters movie that um, can kind of bring people together and kind of bond over um, a common interest. Now, would you ever, you know, would you ever put on the jumpsuit and and actually oh, be yeah. part of the organization? Oh yeah, sure. I think I'd have to lose a few pounds first. <laughs> I, I would have looked like if they had actually gone through the plan of having John Candy as a Ghostbuster. That's what I would kind of look like, uh, just in there, you know. But uh, the, and the really weird thing was the time that I went to Comic Con and I saw somebody cosplaying as you. Oh yeah, remember true. that? That's true. <laughs> Your that's doppelganger. True. I hope uh, I hope they actually. Um, I don't know if they're going to come this way with ghost heads, but uh, Rhode Island Comic Con would be a great as for them. I was thinking that I would probably try to reach out to Steve right. and reach out to Lee and see if we can get them connected and see if they could maybe show both films. Yeah, maybe they can uh, be in the studio. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, I would love to have the opportunity to have, you know, the people around here get a chance to see it uh, on a big screen, and, and they always have a film festival component to the Rhode Island Comic Con, so it seems like a perfect fit. So I'll see if I can kind of put those two entities together and see if we can make it happen. Uh, and we had discussed a little bit before, and I didn't want to put Lee on the spot and ask him about the new film, because obviously you know, they have a relationship with Sony, and uh, and, and it, it seemed like he was generally positive about uh, his approach to the new film, but you know, we were going back and forth a little bit about it before, and I think at the very least, as he was saying, you know, Paul Fagg has the, in his mind, mm-hmm. you know, you have a responsibility to the fandom of this property to make sure that you are treating it correctly. Right, right. And, and, and I always said, I mean, what, what, what did I say when, uh, you know, the, they were going on and on in developmental hell for a new Ghostbusters movie? I always said the hardest part is going to be making sure that it had that integrity. And we saw the video game come out. And right, that, right. that video game actually seemed like it could have been the third Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, that, that was actually, a, um, I feel like it was a... It was well put together, as is, and it was thought out, um, like you said, to um, kind of uh, make all the fans happy, or not maybe not all the fans happy, but um, cover the majority of the fans. Yeah, it certainly kept them in mind, and I think that Dan yes. Aykroyd had a lot to do with that too. I mean, something that's touched uh, a lot of people's hearts. You kind of have to be very careful with what you do with it. Um, I <laughs> just asked J.J. At- Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> right or uh, Michael Bay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, on the other side of things. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, I'm a, a part of a group that uh, has to do with Michael Bay, but a group like like a Facebook group or like an actual like go out with signs group. Oh yeah, it's it's called um uh, uh Michael Michael Bay stay away from my childhood, <laughs> it, it's and it's a, just basically just uh, a lot of people just uh, complaining about how he ruins. Transformers, Transformers and <laughs> Miami Vice right, right. and Ninja Turtles, right? And uh, did he do GHO? I don't, I don't think so. Nah, I don't know, but that one, that one was. Uh, I think they dropped the ball. On that one. You know who I blame for all of that, by the way? I blame Hasbro, because Hasbro's come up with this idea of they want to have all of their toys have movies. Right. So they have the Transformers, they, they have, have the GHO series, Battleship, the Ouija movie. You know, those were all put together, and I don't want to, you know. Mm-hmm crap on the Ouija movie because, you know, we're, we're friendly with the people that wrote that and, and directed it. But I'm just saying, like, it's part of this idea of, you know, what's next? We're going to have Risk, the movie? Right, Stratego? Right. right. Clue? Oh, no, wait. I'm surprised <laughs> they haven't made a, a Mr. Potato Head movie. Well, he was in Toy Story. I guess. So, and I, I the lines are blurred for me. Are Hasbro and Mattel the same thing now? Um, I don't know. 
I'm not sure either. Hmm. Do you think that the new Ghostbusters will have action figures? Oh, yeah. You think so? Yeah, I think they're going to... I I mean, as much as I might have some issues with the movie, if there's a Leslie Jones action figure, I am buying one. (laughs) Uh, If anything, they would uh, maybe further on down the line, Todd uh, McFarlane. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Make some some high-quality ones. Who, by the way, has said recently that he's bringing back Spawn with a new movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, I I mean, that original Spawn movie that... It could have been a lot better, but I know there was a lot of limitations as far as technology is concerned. And they had a lot of and uh, John Leguizamo. And but there was also <laughs> there was an aspect of that of making sure that they tried to make it somewhat. I know that it was not family friendly, but they were trying to make it somewhat family friendly. It was edgy because it was a '90s movie, but they were trying to make it more accessible. Right. I think. Right. I think Deadpool's changed the game. Right. Right. I mean, I think that Deadpool already. You I know, mean, there there has been R-rated uh, superhero movies prior, but. Not with the hype that yeah, not like Deadpool major has. ones, yeah. And well, I mean, Watchmen was, I believe, that was rated R. Uh, Punisher War Zone, I think that was rated R as well. I almost don't know if I would count Watchmen as a superhero movie. No, no, not like to the extent you know what I mean. Like it's not, it wasn't really an action movie. It was more of a thinking drama. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the, already the new Wolverine movie has been up, you know, up to an R rating. Because of the Deadpool effect, so I don't know. And I think, um, what was it uh, uh, Disney who owns some of the some of the superhero properties? They own was, Marvel, right? And, but they right. don't have all of the Marvel film rights because of the deal that was negotiated with Sony before they bought Marvel. Right. I think they came out uh, this and week with a, with, a, with a statement saying that they're not going to. Uh, they don't have any plans to make any R-rated. Um, Movies with their right. current, current properties. Yeah, because 20th Century Fox has the Wolverine rights, I believe, mm-hmm. and the X Men. I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird thing there. I don't. I'm not exactly uh, yeah, sure. the Marvel kind of screwed up by by going all over the place with it. But uh, right. in, I mean, in the end, we're we're getting some pretty good movies. I'm right. not a huge. I'm not as big of an Avengers fan as everybody is. Mm-hmm. But I really like what they've done with the X Men. Oh yeah, yeah. With First Class and and Days yeah. of Future Past, and now. Apocalypse just looks awesome. I know, I know. The only uh, my my only complaint about those uh, Marvel, uh, the Fox Marvel movies is that you have to sit through all the credits just to see like fifteen yeah. seconds of the next movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Well, I'll sit did, through it. Did, did you see? Did you see Deadpool? Not yet. No, no. There's 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 an end credit scene for Deadpool. <laughs> is there? It's is there? worth sitting and waiting for. Nice, nice. I um. I'm not sure how true it is. I know I read a little bit of it, but I heard um, it, there was some uh, internet clamoring that uh, they wanted Deadpool to do Saturday Night Live. Yes, they were actually started a petition. And I think that would be an excellent choice. I could just see. But did you see the Kanye audio that was released? I from tried when not was... to. Uh... Oh yes, yes, yes. I did. Well, with the Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. Then Deadpool <laughs> released the audio of why he can never right, be in Saturday right. Night Live. I try to avoid Kanye West stuff, but right. But it was a good joke. Even though and he needs our money. We we are really at a point where we have to start worrying about Ryan Reynolds' mental health. <laughs> because he thinks he is Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. Like, And I mean, I'm fine with it. <laughs> like, I don't want him to be in anything else ever again. Just keep being Deadpool. Yep. 
So, all right, well, that about does it for this week's show. We're out of time. Uh, hopefully, uh, you will go out and check the show out on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Uh, I use player.fm. I find that that is always uh, up to date with the latest show, and it's easy to stream them and download them. But wherever you feel comfortable getting them, the Stitcher app, it's all over the place, wherever you can download it and listen to it and stream it, however you need to do so. We'll be back next Saturday night for another show where we talk about the paranormal. And uh, we've been doing it now for 10 years, so why stop now, right? And you can reach out to us anytime, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com or on Twitter at SpookySC. Those are the ways to get a hold of us. And, of course, hashtag SpookyLive on Saturday nights during the live show. So until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Chris, for Stephanie, I'm Tim, and we want you all to stay tuned.